This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Time now for part two of this week's sounding board questions for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Andrew Murdoch on email, Hutch, he's asked us quite a detailed question. I'll I'll, I'll wade through it. It's, It's a good question. Last week, you guys spoke about Naomi Osaka's media boycott. Damien mentioned how Rafa Nadal acknowledged that the media helps make athletes who they are in terms of success and money. But how valuable do you think the media really is for this. People always say sports people and sporting codes need the media to make it what it is. But really, aside from the broadcasters, why? As a sports fan, I'd still watch without journos, talk shows and commentators. It's a good question, Hutchie. I'll leave you to have a crack at it. Well, yeah, I think it's it's an important part of the communication cycle. It's clearly though not the only part anymore. You can have direct-to-consumer conversations, albeit through a third party, the most extreme example of that is Donald Trump, who's used those platforms to get a presidency and now has been banned from them because he's really proved that you don't need mainstream media. You can have a direct connection if you can use those platforms. So I understand your point, Andrew. It's not as valuable as it was, but it's still highly valuable. And to put it in context, brands pay tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars for a 30-second ad on television. If you had a free opportunity to do that and market and promote yourself, why wouldn't you do it? Just on, on that, there's still an industry within itself, isn't there, Hutchie, of, of people who work for individual athletes and, and, and more pertinently work for organisations who are there simply to protect the image of athlete or organisation without even the athlete or even some people within the organisation knowing that at a given point in time. Obviously, the bigger the organisation, the more of these type of people and more of a focus that, that does go into it. And it does extend to... The, the, the branding and the image that, that these international athletes like Naomi Osaka have had. I mean, it, there, there's programs and platforms and and processes around the image of these people, Hachi. Yep, there is. And, yeah, I think the um, bigger that you are as an athlete, the more people are trying to protect your brand and your image and the more seriously you take it. Yep. Lee Marriott asks this, with the Ben Roberts-Smith trial starting this week, is it possible that Winks could end up being – now, he's got flying cotton here. I think he means fine cotton at the end of the trial. And if that does occur, what would be the ramifications for Winks and other journalists involved? Fine, fine cotton, Mahachi, being the uh, the ringing horse back in the yep. 1980s up there in I Queensland. That, I was trying to understand this question. I think what he's saying is if, if it goes against Nick, what impact does it have on his reputation? So, have you read it? Yeah, that that's what the question's about. Yep. I, I can't imagine he's going to change his view one bit. It doesn't go his way. He'll just double down and keep going like it's there is a point where in, in journalism where you're so attached to the story that you can't help but follow it even after it's long run out of steam i suspect yep. you'll be a bit like that because it's just been such a big part of his report and he clearly believes the other thing that's coming through in his reporting is he is firm in the belief that what he's yeah. reporting is true he's not saying yep. people his reporting isn't there's people out there who allege this you make your own mind up his reporting is People are saying this and I'm with them. This is what happened. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely is. But as we both know, Hachi, um, and look, what I'm about to say, let's remove the specifics of uh, the Ben Robert Smith and Nick McKenzie situation, but it can play out very differently in court, can't it, when it, when a handing is, is, is delivered upon the actual case itself. It, it, look, truth is a defence, but it's not the perfect 
defence, and I'm, I'm again, I'm not making that comment on this particular case, but what I'm saying is there, once the lawyers are involved, we're actually arguing ultimately sometimes something very, very different. Yeah, what people are forgetting already in the coverage of this is that it's Ben suing them, not him being on trial. Don't you think that's already getting blurred in the way it's covered? Like it's, yeah, yeah, and and, and there's a lot of people. I mean, you and I follow it because we're obsessed. Well, I'm obsessed with Nick McKenzie's work, and and obviously this story for, for a number of reasons legally. But yeah, I, I reckon you're right. A lot of people just coming across the story, even if it's just in glancing at a paper or something they see on social media, probably doesn't have the background, and, and nor would I expect them to. Hachi, this is from Josh Shrive on Facebook. Last week you talked about how Damien decides on which platform to to break a story, but more importantly, how do you decide which platform pays for? All his, all his leave. leave. I didn't read that good. one through before I asked it, Hachi. So, Josh, I'm glad you asked this question. I'm going to take you a bit behind the curtain here. The Once upon a time, Dane and I used to have all his leave on our dime, and that got expensive. In fact, when we became a public company, clearly we couldn't carry that kind of risk on the books. Uh, I was at the point where I had to get it insured, the amount of leave that he had, because it was such a fiscal Hachi, deterrent. can I just jump in? You, you put it to me that I would have eight weeks under the ordeal. You actually put that to me when you met me in that pub 15 or so years ago, or whenever it was. Oh, look, I didn't realise it was going to end up being 20. So, uh, yeah, the 20 or well, 21 weeks that it became in the end was very expensive, Josh. Uh, under Damo's <laughs> AFL.com deal, I'm not privy to the specifics of that, but suffice to say, there's, he's it's no longer any... Of all the things we've been able to achieve post-merger, getting Damo's leave off our books might well be <laughs> the best move we've made. And it certainly saved the business a lot of money. And we now pay him <laughs> as a contractor. Well, yeah, we pay a bit overs, it's fair to say. You know, you got to pay a bit of a premium for a brand like Damo and uh, you get a few uh, sets of steak knives in the in the deal. But I, to me, I just benchmarked that against the old world, which was all this leave mounting up to the roof and throwing out your EBITDA because you've got to carry it in your EBITDA in the June 30, the leave balance. <laughs> And that was a real Be issue. And, and I tell you, full credit to our auditors who first picked up on this when they came in. The auditors went through the books and I said, what do you reckon of our first February? And they said, this leave balance of Damien is going to be an issue in the public markets given the EBITDA consequence. Of, so, um, Hachi, yeah. I'm really glad now that I've actually absorbed the, these blows from you that Josh has raised because I, next week on the main body of the sounding board, will reveal <laughs> an annual leave component that will have people's mind boggling. Okay, and it's I am not the media person who has the most leave when it comes to uh, what's on the books, Hachi. And 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 three people on your books have more than me. Yeah, we'll see about that. I think you'll be. And, and I will expose those three people on your behalf next week. You'll find a bit. We'll have one more, Hutchie. Stephen Ballinger on Facebook. This year's French Open coverage has been very limited. Is there a reason Channel 9 cannot use their other channels to offer viewers more choice on which match they would like to watch? What's on Stan, isn't it? Is it on Stan? Yeah, but that was my understanding, which is the Channel 9 um, streaming arm, I suppose. Is that the best way to describe it, Hutchie? I thought it was on one of their channels, but obviously, according to Stephen, it may not be. Look, Stephen, I, I can only... I, look, I'll talk on my own... Um, behaviours here, I, I don't feel the need to watch every single match or even every night of a French Open coverage. I, I will attempt to watch every single night of a, a Wimbledon coverage, but the clay event has never been something in, in my wheelhouse, even though I've always grown up loving the uh, the majors of a tennis year. This is one of those years, right? We're still in the middle of COVID and we're in transition. I'm sure by the next year when the nine uh, stand product is, is uh, gathering 
momentum that it will get a bigger and, and broader hearing. So there you go. That's the sounding board for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to DrinkWise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo for DrinkWise. Make sure you find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sounding Board EP. Hit the sign-up button on Facebook to receive our weekly email and subscribe to, rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts.